Welcome back everyone to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua Dub underscore Stamper. Aspire listeners, I'm so excited for this interview because I have a fantastic superintendent in the New York area who is doing some amazing innovative things. And today I have Dr. Nagler with me, and he is a superintendent in Mineola School District, a suburb by New York City. And Dr. Nagler was a 2020 New York State Superintendent of the Year and was a finalist for the 2020 National Superintendent of the Year. He is also an author, and I can't wait to dive into his book and then all of the amazing things that he's doing within his district. Dr. Nagler, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Yeah. So before we get into all of the innovative things that you're doing, I would love to hear about your leadership and educational journey. Thanks. I'm a product of the New York City public education system, a couple of state schools before I got my doctorate in in 1999. But I was a, a city teacher for 11 or 12 years. I became the assistant principal in the same building I taught, which I don't recommend for anyone. <laughs> You find out a lot of interesting things once you get a title. Yeah. And then I came to Mineola as an assistant principal. I made a lateral move in, in 1999 and really found a home here. Became a high school principal, deputy, and I just completed my 13th year as superintendent. Wow. Very grateful and uh, humbled to be part of this community. And they let me do a lot of cool stuff, which is, uh, which is cool too. Yeah, which we're going to talk about because yeah, I know yeah. you have a lot of initiatives that you're part of and yeah it sounds cutting edge so i can't wait to dive into that but before we do i would love to hear about your brand new book from road to awesome publishing and what that's all about yeah so i use the acronym dev i call it the dev leader Mm -hmm. Uh, dev stands for the design thinking entrepreneurial and visionary planning leader and the and the premise of the book is trying to uh, thrive in ambiguity The notion that technology is really changing the world, the pace of change is just continually increasing because of innovation and technology in all aspects of life. And the public school system is very slow to respond to any of it. I kind of use an example. If you graduated in 2020 and you went back to kindergarten in 2007, the, the iPhone was invented. And then over the course of your school career, Mobile devices overtook desktop in like 2012. And uh, a couple of people uh, equate that to like the Gutenberg press because, you know, knowledge is ubiquitous. It's moving with people. And it really changes the way you think about what what content you need to know. And of course, what did schools do? They really didn't do much. And if you then take that uh, 2020 example, and now you're in kindergarten, and you're gonna graduate in 2033, what world are you graduating into? And then how are we as educational leaders doing something about that? And that's really the premise of the book is like the the fourth industrial revolution's here. You can't stick your head in the sand. We need to think differently about what school looks like and the experience kids have in school. And more importantly, what's life after high school? Because I don't think it's going to be the same in 2033 than it is today. No, no. You know, and that's really on us because we have to start thinking differently about how we we lead school systems. 
Well, let's let's dive in because I mean, you are a superintendent. That's a very difficult job as a whole. And as we know, any school district, it's like trying to drive a cruise ship, not a speedboat. <laughs> and so, what are some things that you're trying to get your staff to understand as far as creating an environment that really helps students be prepared for the future? What are some things that you're trying to to bring in? Yeah, we have an instructional model that really focuses on five things. And that's actually the second part of the book examines each one of those items. But we, we start with a growth mindset. You know, my, my, my teachers are unbelievable. They can deal with failure and making mistakes better than anyone. And they understand that that's a function of the trials and tribulations of any initiative going forth. So one of our tenants is, is growth mindset and in our teachers and our kids. You know, we teach brain science to five-year-olds. We teach them what their amygdala is. We teach them about neurons and that through practice and hard work, you grow your brain. You're not born that way. And, and the first challenge is getting our adults to believe that because there's some clear mindsets, historical mindsets around it. And that's morphed. That's morphed into this whole brain science initiative and zones of regulation, tying in SEL. And now we're we're looking to redo our high school around, you know, more cross-cutting concepts as well as self-directed learners. And that's been an evolution. You know, one of the terms I use in the book is, is ENR thinking. It's evolution, not revolution. Hmm. And school systems are not designed to handle the shock of a revolution. They need that slow change over time and iterate and make it better. And you get bigger buy-in. We do a lot of things like that. We'll, we'll, we'll start something and anticipate some failures, anticipate obstacles. Uh, and then part of my administrative team's job is to jump those hurdles and get more buy-in. And as we get more and more buy-in, the product we started with becomes better. Mm-hmm. You know, entrepreneurs never launch a fully baked idea. They, they go beta. Sometimes it's called the MVP, the minimal viable product. And as they're out there, they're fixing it. And the more people react to how bad it is, the faster they, you know, we never never download a new iOS because it's going to be buggy. So, you know, but schools, we don't do that. We don't don't like to launch anything that's not what we think is fully baked. And there's no such thing because every time you implement something with a different group of kids, you get a different result. That's the leadership that I brought with a whole bunch of great people helping me. Uh, I don't take credit at all for it. I joke that I'm I'm the idea man and everybody else makes (laughs) it happen. Our ability now to just roll with the punches like the pandemic really didn't throw us. We, yeah. we've, been, we've been doing one-to-one for 10 years. We've had a digital ecosystem for 10 years. We, we had to learn how to do a, a WebEx. It took us a day. And, you know, we were up and running. You know, and my people didn't really miss a beat. Hmm. And that's a lot of practice over the years because we, we're nimble. We, we pivot well. And, and I'd say 95% of my staff just, okay. We got it. So that's part of the culture now that you've set up within your district. How long do you feel like that took for you to be in a space where you can bring in some new ideas and, you know, that growth mindset is now embedded into the culture of your district? 
years. I, yeah. When I first started, my first job was to close two buildings. And we made a promise to the community that if we closed the buildings and reconfigured our grades, we'd reinvest the money we saved. And the first investment we made was iPads and a one-to-one initiative. Mm-hmm. And we consistently reinvest and, and push the envelope of what school's supposed to be. So it takes a while, but you know, you need it. The culture has to be parents. It has to be teachers and kids. Because yep. some of the things we do here are very a, you know, atypical. You know, we don't have report cards in pre-K to grade four. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't happen overnight. You just can't, you know, wave your hand and say, oh, we're going to do that tomorrow. That was evolved over time. But there was a value in the initiative that people saw, so it it was accepted. I think that's really one of the big the big things that leaders miss is that culture takes time mm-hmm. to build, and it has to be consistent with input from your stakeholders. You know, leaders leaders can't do anything without teachers. You, you, you can you can talk a lot, but if you don't have teachers. Um, and principles and everyone understand what the vision and the mission is, it's, it's not going to happen. And there's a lot of give and take with that. I want to go back, Dr. Nagler, because you, you yeah. said something that piqued my interest. You said the badge books instead of report cards for pre-K through grade four. So for those who are listening that don't understand or know that concept, I know I'm one of them. I would love to learn <laughs> a little bit about that initiative and, and where that idea yeah, came from. Yeah, absolutely. So before I forget, all of the all of the things I talk about are free on my website, awesome. uh, the school website, the Mineola website. So you Google Mineola badge books and you'll you'll get them all for free. Use them, have fun. Drop me a line, tell me what you think. I visited a school through the League of Innovative Schools in Pittsburgh called Elizabeth Forward. It's a rural small community outside of Pittsburgh, and they were doing these pre-K badges. So I love the idea and they're digital. So fit in line with my whole technology first kind of leadership. I brought it back and we had all sorts of problems. I don't want to say it failed miserably, but it did not do as well as I thought it would. <laughs> sure. And we came to a point where the technology was the problem. So we pivoted and said, forget the technology. And everyone paused and said, did I just hear what you said? I said, yeah, forget the technology. It's got to be more age appropriate. Let's do badge books. Let's do a sticker book. Mm-hmm. That's what five-year-olds do. Yeah. And can we make it where every standard is kind of a badge? So we made this book. And in the back, the back half of the book were QR codes for parents so explanation of the badge, and we gave them QR codes for activities that they could help their kids when they're working with them. Nice. And it's evolved. But next year, we're, we're actually ripping the book apart to send home a parent companion. And that's, that goes home, and the other half stays with the kids. Mm-hmm. And over time, we introduced neuron badges so when kids didn't get an earn a badge. Because there's no in-between. You earn it or you don't. You met the criteria or you don't. But if you don't meet the criteria, we give you neuron stickers. And you keep working at it. You're growing those neurons and you're going to keep getting it. You keep working towards that badge. As it went through the grades this year, it was the first year it hit third grade. And for a variety of reasons, we've hit a couple of stumbling blocks. We, we, we tried to go digital and it didn't really work. So we pivoted again. We bought in a new LMS that actually will do competency-based work in third grade. Because badges, after all, are is basically competency-based. Yes. Yeah. 
So the iteration of the original badge book will look nothing like the new third grade, but it's the same initiative. It's the yeah. same concept. It's it, it flows and it will continue to flow as it hits the middle school. So we have found that a lot of our parents still want to compare their kids to every other kid. And we keep redirecting them that you should be comparing your child to where they are in the curriculum. That's an ongoing battle. Mm-hmm. Parents can't let go of, you know, I got to know, <laughs> I got to know my kid compared to everybody else. Yeah. But it's, it's a, it's a slow process. It's a slow process, but it's, uh, it's worthwhile because it really, it really hones in on the individual learner. You, you, you talk about personalization. This, this is it. Yeah. So do you foresee that potentially going beyond fourth grade? I mean, I know certain districts yeah. are talking about like gradeless K through 12 at some point, but I don't know what your belief system or what your vision for the district <laughs> is moving forward. Yeah. So we're going to squeeze the middle. We're actually launching an experimental high school next year. We're getting rid of the periods. We're putting all the subjects in the cloud. It's all competency-based. Hmm. And we're going we're gonna to shift to more like college, believe it or not. We're going to yeah. have office hours. We're going to have kids are all self-directed. They could tackle the courses how they want. They still have to do required courses to graduate. But if they finish those, they can do passion projects. And then we'll hook them up with mentors to work on whatever their passion project is. Mm-hmm. And we have a full SEL component. We have a social worker. on. So we're going to do PBL during the day that will attach to different subjects but we're calling it synergy nice. so i my expectation uh, next year it's a hand-picked kids and and most of them have difficulty in school for yeah. some reason or another not really content uh, life yeah more yeah. life issues and september 23 i plan to open it whoever wants it can do it uh, and i think that'll be the progression of you can still do a traditional high school if you want and I think I hate to be generalist about it, but I'm sure most of my high flyers are going to stay with the traditional model because it's what they know. Sure. And yeah. and more kids that you know don't want to get in that rat race of studying every night, and doing your homework, and making sure your grades are all they'll go to synergy. Did you see a model somewhere else that you kind of adopted, or is this something that your district really just said, "Hey, we see this need, and we're going to build something to to fit." what we see within our district. Uh, I live with a sophomore that hates, (laughs) that hates school. Gotcha. Uh, Loves to learn. Yeah. Very bright kid. He recently won an international science competition, but he wants to do what his passion is. He sees no value in uh, global history or, or writing an essay. It's not what he wants to do. So the whole concept of synergy really came out of my conversations with my own son mm-hmm. trying to change the structure of high school. Yeah. I think that would be my, my tagline for it. It's changing the structure of high school. Mm-hmm. I wish that was an option for me growing up. I think I would have jumped on that experience myself. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. I'm going to go back to your journey because you said something that piqued my interest because I had something I think was a similar situation in my leadership journey. You said being an AP in the same building was something that you wouldn't suggest. So what was that experience like and and why did you feel that way after you've gone through that experience? 
Well, I would preface it by saying the New York City school system is unique. I, I love my school. I love the kids. I loved the community I worked in. But senior teachers in particular get funny when you, you take on a title. They don't see you as a teacher anymore. Any success you had as a teacher is now dismissed. And in many cases, you're the enemy because you're evaluating what they do. Um, so I had some awkward, uh, what I thought were friendships uh, get very weird. Uh, of course, people that, that I was close to, it really didn't make a difference. Sure. And, and the teachers that uh, were progressive and doing the, doing the right thing, there was absolutely no problem. But uh, there's a funny phenomenon more so in the city, in my opinion, than, than, uh, than the suburbs is there's a burnout happens a lot sooner. 15, 16 years, there's really no market for a 15 year teacher to move somewhere and then they get into a, a, a rut. Uh, that luckily that's changing. Our profession used to be the only, the only progression was an uh, administrator. Yep. Now I think there are plenty of progressions in the teaching ranks with teacher leaders and teachers on assignment that, that it, you, you can find uh, a different pathway later in your career. Dr. Naylor, uh, I always love asking this question of my guests because I love having actionable items. So for instance, you know, my aspiring or current leaders that are listening, if there's something they can do tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey, what, what would you suggest? I think the phrase think differently is something that should always resonate with a leader. And when you're, when you're faced with a situation where you're making a decision point on it, pause and think about it differently. Because we tend to do what we always have done. And there has to be a point in time where we say, hey, maybe there's a different way we can do this and, and yield a better result. Hmm. And that phrase um, I've used for years now. Uh, you know, it's funny because uh, when I was going for my doctorate, um, I, I was, I, I really had an imposter syndrome. I went to Columbia, Teachers College Columbia. I don't know why they accepted me. I still have, I still scratch my head about that. <laughs> uh, you know, I was, a, I was a state, I was a state school kid, a city kid. And as I uh, was on my journey, more and more people w wanted to be in my group. They wanted to, they wanted to hear my opinion. And, and, you know, sometimes I would pause and listen to these people I thought was so well read and so smarter than I was. And I'm like, why do you want my opinion? And they're like, well, you always have a different angle on stuff. Mm -hmm. So it, it was this epiphany that, it, you know, thinking differently lends a whole new lens to uh, a problem. Yeah. And you, you don't have to, um, I don't view myself as smart, a smart person. Uh, you know, if anything, I think I get by, but it's the, my ability to assess things differently and and problem solve differently that I think has made me successful over the years. Well, and if someone's listening right now and, you know, they're, you know, inspired by your journey and, and all the things that you're doing in your district and they want to become a superintendent, was there some experience that you went through that really helped you to become the person that you are today in that role? Yeah, I, I think 
experience and age changes the way you view things. If I look back in my beginning of my career, my, my viewpoints were very different. Uh, having kids of your own really changes your viewpoint For sure. as, a, as, a, as a dad dealing with your own kids. But I think there comes a point where you believe you can, you can enact change on a bigger scale. When you go from a, an AP to a, a principal, a principal to central office, there's, there has to be a belief in you that you could be bigger and better in what you're doing. You know, one of the chapters in the book speaks about the different types of leaders and uh, gives some reflection questions on how you go about thinking and some of the actions you, you do in school. I think there's a there's always an inner conflict about the things we want to do and the things we have to do. Yep. And usually the schism really grows, and we the angst and the uh, um, you know the anxiousness about it. But when you could build a bridge across that chasm to say, I could figure, I could do the things I want to do and still do the things I have to do, and I could lead people through across that bridge, and and we get to a better place for kids. So. I think that's really a um, uh, something to remember. Give that imagery in your head about yeah, there are going to be times where you you, you really got to just suck it up and do it, and, and then there are going to be times where you can be innovative and and throw some new ideas out, and and change your little corner of the world, and just keep adding to that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you told me 13 years ago, I'd be sitting where I am with the, some of the accomplish we, accomplishments we've achieved. I wouldn't have believed it keep plugging away on that path and, and it'll be fine. Yeah. So Dr. Nagler, how can folks connect with you on social media or learn a little bit about the things that you're doing within your district? So uh, I'm, I have a good presence on Twitter. My handle is at Nagler's Notions, uh, plural N-A-G-L-E-R-S Notions. That was the old title of my blog. Okay. Back, back, back in the day when that was innovative, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have chosen that if I had started today. If you're curious about anything uh, we're doing, most of our stuff is free. We're big on OER, so if you search our website, you can find it. And if you can't, just just shoot me a line, and I'll send it to you. I'll have it in the show notes also, so yeah, that way folks great. will uh, be able to click on that and and uh, find that information because I think it's extremely valuable to be able to look at a model and, and see if, you know, those pieces fit or if there's something that uh, you might need to modify and, and change to make it work with either the grade level or, or the uh, folks you serve. So I love all the things you're doing, Dr. Nagler. I, I'm extremely inspired by our conversation and um, I can't wait to get my hands on your book, The Design Thinking Entrepreneurial Visionary Planning Leader, A Practical Guide to Thriving in Ambiguity. And I'm going to have a link also in the show notes to pick up a copy of that book. So make sure that you are connecting with Dr. Nagler. And like I said, I am so fortunate to be connected with you. And thank you so much for being on the Aspire podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. And, and I would offer that if anyone wants, I'd be happy to do any kind of free book club or anything related to the book so just just ask and i'm happy to do it Uh, i love the work and uh, happy to share are you excited that in-person conferences are back i know i am in fact i'm excited to announce that i'll be at the 2022 teach better conference this october 14th and 15th in akron ohio i'll be recording episodes live in podcast row 
attending sessions, speaking, and connecting with a whole bunch of amazing educators. It would be awesome if you could join us. Head over to teachbetterconference.com slash register and use the code ASPIRE2022 to save $50 off your two-day registration. I hope to see you in October.